Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Morning. Great to be together. Um, we're currently working through a series in the uh, book of Daniel, looking at chapters 1 to 6, and um, I'm going to be preaching the last uh, sermon in this series. I want to let you into a little something, though. I wasn't actually Dan to be preaching this passage of Scripture. I was asked to preach something else, which is fine. It got changed. I'm not knocking anyone. It's great. Because as, um, as I prayed and as I looked at these Scriptures, as I studied these Scriptures, I was like, oh, wow, thank you because I really needed to hear what God was saying. It was wonderful that I was able to, to study and hear God's voice in, in, that, in a situation and process what had been happening over many years with us in Cyprus, and God was able to speak and bring healing into our situation. So thank you. It was wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Um, let's just do a quick recap, very quickly recap on what's gone on up to, to, up to now and what Steph preached on last week. We, uh, Daniel is, uh, tells us the, the events of Daniel's life, why he was um, being exiled in Babylon. And the, set, the next chapters, which we're not going to look at in the book of Daniel, was God giving visions during his time in exile. Um, and Daniel was about 17 years of age, possibly a little bit younger, when he got taken to Jerusalem. And that made me think, wow, my eldest daughter was a, is a year older. Well, I wonder how she would have felt <laughs> being taken away. I wonder as parents how me and Donna would have felt if our loved one had been taken away, not knowing what was going to happen, if we'd ever see them again. How would they respond? How would we respond? And we've seen Daniel's response and his mates' response as we've worked through these six chapters. And it's remarkable what we've learned. Honestly, it's remarkable what we've learned from Daniel and his friends and, and how we've been wonderfully taught by the, the guys who have preached through this series. But a central theme in the book of Daniel is God's sovereignty over history, over empires, over kings as, he, as he, he sets them up and removes them as he pleases. And we've seen as, as Daniel and his friends have gone through many trials and difficulties, and the one we're going to look at today may be the greatest of them all. We get a wonderful example, don't we, of faithful living. Faithful living, because, you know, you've got to remember, this wasn't their home. They were exiles, and they were made to feel like that at times. Made to feel like this is in your home. And you know what? It's the same for us today. <laughs> we, uh, as God's people, I want to say this isn't our home. This isn't our home, and we should feel a bit out of place. We should feel a bit uncomfortable with the way things are. Along with creation, there should be a groaning that goes on inside of us. Because why? The world's broken. It's corrupt. Sin has messed everything up, and we have the wonderful deposit of the Holy Spirit. That means God Christ is coming back for us, and we long for that return of Christ. And Daniel, would have, at this time, would have been longed for the return to Jerusalem, which God said would happen after a 70-year period, which was very important, which was nearly up at this time. It was nearly up. Something else we've seen through these chapters is Daniel, and Steph quickly touched on this last week, he didn't compromise. There was no compromise with Daniel on who he worshipped, on who his God was. Now, I'm not saying that Daniel was perfect. I'm not saying that, that, you know, that he never made mistakes. He would have had to repent, just like we have to repent of the things we've done. But listen, when the heat was turned up, <laughs> when the pressure was on, when the pressure was intense, Daniel and his mates didn't compromise. They stood firm. 
We saw this last week as Steph taught us from the first half of chapter 6 that Daniel wasn't going to compromise on who he worshipped and who he prayed to. You weren't having it. You weren't having it. And we read, the, we read last week, didn't we, about these, these officials, these governors. It looks like they was jealous of Daniel. Um, not only was Daniel going to be one of the 120 rulers, but he was in the top three. And he was, he was close to being number one, top dog. And they didn't like this. So they, 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 they conspired because they knew who, who Daniel worshipped. They knew who Daniel prayed to. They knew whose who, who heart was Daniel's. And I want to say, if God's got your heart, that gets seen. That gets seen by all those around. If it's not getting seen, there's something probably not right there. It gets seen. They knew that Daniel wouldn't stop praying for one day, let alone 30 days. <laughs> they knew that there was, oh, there's an angle there. We can get him. So they go to the king and they say to him, why don't we have a 30-day period? Who makes any petition to, to any god other than the king gets thrown to the lions. And then we see the king's heart. He thinks, oh, 30 days all about me. Perfect. I'll have some of that. Let's get some cupcakes with my face on as well. <laughs> so he signs this law. He falls into the trap. And uh, he cannot go back. It was all very underhand. It was all very deceitful. Um, but you know what? That's... Anything that's in opposition to God can never be truthful. There's always, it can never be consistently honest. There's always an element of deceit because where it comes from. It's where it comes from. It's in, it's in opposition to God. It's in opposition to God's people. So that's where we got to last week. Let's, so let's turn to our Bibles. Daniel chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 12 through to the end. Give me a moment to get down. Daniel chapter 6. Verse 12. We're going to read through to the end of the chapter. Are we all good? good? Good, good. Right, here we go. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man without 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, this, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of these exiles from Judea, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed. And he set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he laboured till, till the sun went down to rescue him. These men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king established can be changed. Then the king, king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of the lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the, mouth, the lion's mouth 
and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den and no kind of harm was found in him because he had trusted in his God. Well, come on. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions and their children and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the people's nation and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God Enduring forever, his kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the region and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Wow, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Lord, we love you this morning. We worship you this morning, and we ask, Holy Spirit, will you do a work in our hearts? Will you show us things in your word that will change our hearts and our minds in the way we see things, so that we can come into all that you've got for us, Lord Jesus? Thank you that you've got a plan and a purpose, and it's glorious. Thank you, Lord. Amen? Amen. So, on the, on the front of it, it looks like these guys... Uh, trying to stitch up Daniel, it succeeded. These officials remind the king, they say, listen, this is what you signed. You signed this law, this document, and then they grasp Daniel up. They say, this is what you signed. Now listen, this, ex- this, Ju- this Judeo, this guy, this guy who's, who's come, he's not, he's not following what you're saying. He pays no attention to your agreement. Even though Daniel is of good character, we know this, so he's had some favour between these, with whatever king's in charge. He's always had favour. So he's got, he's got good character. And God has clearly gifted him and was using, and Daniel was using that gifting to display the glory of God. Within this position that Daniel was given, there's these moments and times of attack. And guys, I just want to say that just because of the fact that we are children of God, um, don't be mistaken in thinking everything's going to be rosy. Even if you're like Daniel and you think, wow, I'm in a good spot here at the moment. <laughs> I'm in a good spot here. I've got favor. You know what? I'm, you know, people seem to be responding when I'm talking about Jesus. I'm in a good spot here. I want to just say that the kingdom of darkness will always come against the kingdom of light at times. Against the kingdom of God. Something I've learned over the years of being a Christian that one battle isn't the end of the war. One battle isn't the end of the war. When we are being attacked, the enemy will retreat. But it's never permanently. It's never permanently. David's greatest test, you could say, came at the, not at the, at the end of, of his journey, not at the beginning. I'm not trying to scare you here. I'm not trying to scare you. I just want us to be biblical and real because we are on the winning side, amen? <laughs> it's not up for debate. <laughs> You know, the result is to sit in stone, that's it. Jesus was victorious. He rose from the dead, and when we're hidden in him, we have, we have that victory. 
And these earthly kingdoms that we read about in the Bible and throughout history, you know, they come and go, don't they? But we've been singing this morning that the kingdom of God, on the other hand, is an everlasting kingdom from generation to generation. That king even said it himself, didn't he? He said, oh, wow, this, this king, look at this kingdom. No stopping it. But even still, even with these glorious truths that we know, we need to be prepared for these attacks. Why? So we can respond in the right way. So that we can respond in the right way. We must be on our guard. Satan, don't play by the rules. There's no referee here. One thing that stuck out to me was that Daniel was about to be put in charge of the whole kingdom. And he would have known from the old... Uh, Testament uh, prophet Jeremiah that this period of being exiled was nearly up. 70 years was nearly up. He would have been convinced that day was close. So was it worth it? Was it worth it to lose his life so close? He would have known the consequences of him carrying on the way he does. Was He was going to be cat food. He would have known, <laughs> he would have known that. See, before we become Christians, we're, Jesus tells us, and very clear about it, it's kind of cost. Count the cost about what you're about to do because it really is all or nothing. There's no grey areas, there's no bartering. No, Lord, you can have this bit, but I'm just, well, that's, that feels far too risky. It's all or nothing with the Lord. Because why? Because Jesus doesn't want a lukewarm army. He doesn't want a lukewarm army. He says in Revelation that pff, spits them out. I don't know about you, but I can't stand lukewarm tea. I want that thing burning hot. There's a friend of mine in work. That's the weirdest thing. He switches the kettle off halfway through boiling. I'm like, why'd you do that? He says, because I don't want my tea hot. I think that's it's crazy. Lukewarm Christians will compromise when there's choices to be made. You start to compromise in the small things, and when it comes to when the Lord speaks in something big, you're not going there. You will compromise. If it's something that the Lord's taking you out of your comfort zone, you think, no way. I can't go there. God's voice will start to get drowned out. Surely God doesn't mean that lies then. <laughs> Surely not. And Steph said it, he could have shut the windows or gone in the toilet and prayed for 30 days. Surely God doesn't want me to go to that nation. Surely God doesn't want me to live in that neighborhood. Surely God doesn't want me to reach out to that person. God's voice starts to get drowned out when we start to compromise. It was a little bit like that when we was going to Cyprus. We knew God had spoke about us going. We had some wonderful spot-on prophetic words. Simon Holly come and prophesied over me and Donna about the time we should go. And it's almost like he'd listen in, well, he'd listen in on our conversation. was like, wow. Another guy who had never seen our house before prophesied about the whole, how it looked, details of the, of the, of the gates and everything. But we still had well-meaning Christians Telling us, maybe you shouldn't go yet. Maybe just maybe get a little bit of money sorted first, because I think we had about £1,000 in our pockets. You know what, Dean, I've, I've been looking, and the schools ain't too good. The healthcare ain't good. There's, you know, there's no benefits out there. You, you're going to find it hard to get a job. And they was right on all of them. <laughs> but lucky we weren't going there for that. We was going there to, because Jesus has told us to go, and we weren't going to compromise in that area. We was going to trust him. Because he had spoken. Amen? The lover of our souls, Jesus, the one who died in our place so that we can know him and live for him and him alone. Now, that's who we obey. And please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't get counsel of, of trusted Christians and elders and all of that. I'm not saying we rebel and go crazy. 
But what I'm saying is, you know, you know when God's spoken, it's, it's great to, it's, it's right to follow that through. And also we was asked about our time in Cyprus, what is it like? Me and Donna went to see a wonderful guy, probably many of you know Mike Frisbee, went up to see him and talk about our time, because how, uh, how traumatically we was taken out of there. And uh, he asked me this question, he said, so what was it like, Dean? What was, was it like being in Cyprus? And I said to him, Joe, it was the best thing I've ever done. The most wonderful thing I've ever done. I don't, I'm, not really a, I'm not a numbers person, so I don't know, but we see maybe 150 more people saved and baptised in our church and, and seeing these guys, you know, 80% of the church was, were new Christians and seeing these guys growing in Christ, using their gifts, just wonderful. And now we hear messages coming back, they're serving the Lord in other nations. I said it was, the, it was wonderful. It was just, I don't regret a single day. But also, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> it was the best thing I've ever done and the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Seeing my son stabbed in school in our first year, which was like, honestly, the biggest news over there is a dog getting run over. And all of a sudden, well, we're like social outcasts. Uh, the guy I was working with, starting a business with, he, he, he uh, died of a heart attack suddenly, just dropped dead. And his wife... Tried to commit suicide in our front room. <laughs> and one of our young guys, one of the students, just died of a, a diabetic coma. <sighs> tough. Tough, tough, tough. So you have these wonderful things going on, and then you have these moments when you just feel the attack. When you feel the lion's breath <laughs> there. <laughs> you feel the lion's breath there. Is it scary? Yeah, not many. <laughs> it's a lion's den. It's scary. All of us have probably been to a zoo. You don't want to go in there. You'd much rather be in the tank with the fish or something, but not in, not in the den. What does this mean? This means we're going to have some scars. There's going to be some battle scars. But even with the scars, we're called to live wholehearted lives for the Lord with no compromise. And Steph said it earlier, we need God's Holy Spirit to do that. <laughs> You're not going to do that in your own strength. Believe me, I've tried and failed. You need God's Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love. Amen? This is what's been ringing in my ears through this series, that God is for us. <laughs> He's for us and not against us. But we need to know these truths because, like I said, there's consequences in making a stand for Jesus. There will be persecution and there will be suffering if you're serious about following Jesus. It's going to happen. Now, I just want to just say something that bad things happen to all people, not just Christians, happen to non-Christians as well. You know, sickness, bereavement, financial difficulty, COVID, it affects everyone, you know. But in saying that, I honestly don't know what people do when they don't have Jesus in their lives, when they don't have the Lord in their lives, and they don't have brothers and sisters, the church, in their lives. And I want to thank Jesus but, you know, just being with us as a family, you know, when, we've, uh, when it's been really tough. And I want to thank you guys, our church family, for just standing with us when we was finding it just difficult to stand. just want to thank you guys because we've, uh, you know, since we've been back, we felt carried. And I know that's by your prayers, so thank you. But I'm not talking about that kind of suffering today. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about, the suffering that anyone can experience. I'm talking about the suffering and the persecution. We, 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 the attack 
we experience as we follow Jesus. Because this is what's being highlighted in the book of Daniel. As we're following Jesus, as we're making a stand for righteousness, not compromising with suffering and persecution that comes as a result of that. And I'm not talking about Revelation Church here, but I don't know if the church has actually spoke about this enough and, sp- and preached into this enough. Because it's, and it's everywhere in the New Testament. It's absolutely everywhere. I was just looking over these last couple of weeks as I've been studying. I thought, wow. John 15, verse 20. Jesus says, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Very clear. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus will be persecuted. That's it. <laughs> Sooner or later, deep, you know, deeply God-centered Christians will be mistreated for the things he believes or, or she believes in in their lives. You're going to get mistreated. So the words that Jesus speaks about persecution are relevant for today, not only because of the millions of Christians we read and see about are being globally persecuted for their lives, but also to one degree or another, if you're deadly serious, and I want to say deadly serious about following Jesus and putting God first in your work, in your home, in your relationships, you're going to bump into some form of opposition sooner or later. I always wanted to be cool. I know I am. <laughs> I always wanted to be cool. I always wanted everyone to like me. I wanted to fit in with every people group, you know. But Jesus calls us to a different life than that. Where being popular is not the most important thing, but following Jesus and making him known is the most important thing. And Daniel definitely did that. He made sure Jesus was known. God was known. For us being part of the kingdom of heaven, we have to follow Jesus and live his way instead of the world's way. Amen? It's a better way to live. Following him turns us into turns us from being churchgoers into Christ followers. And as we as Christians, we're going to make decisions that's not going to be popular. I think even more so now. You're going to make some decisions and have to say some things that's not going to be popular and it isn't going to make your life easy. This is why I think we need to be aware. And Jesus makes us aware of it. And when we, when, we, when we are aware of it, when persecution comes individually against us or as a church, we won't run around like headless chickens and start panicking going, what on earth is happening here? We didn't see this coming. I've seen it before as well when persecution comes and people are not aware of it. They leave the church. They blame God. They don't know why it's happening when it's very, like I said, quite clear in God's word. Jesus tells us, listen to what Jesus talks, Harry, Harry tells us in Matthew 5 verse 10. He says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This meaning of being blessed is more than a, a temporary feeling of just being happy. It's a state of well-being that comes from being in a relationship with God, and that belongs to us, those who have responded to Jesus. This state of well-being. When we're all in for God, and like I said, it's going to be hard and scary at times, but we can know God's peace. <laughs> what, peace in the lines then? <laughs> yeah. We can know God's peace, which I want to say I've needed many times with my walk with God. And I know I'm going to need many more times. 
I'm going to need the peace of God. And I've, I've, I've felt the peace of God in difficult situations when you think, this is crazy. And you know what? He's given it to me. I said, Lord, I don't know, but please just give me some peace here. And he's given it to me. One of the things that struck me when I was reading this passage as I was preparing, when Daniel's thrown to the lions, we don't read about it, what it was like for him in there. You think you would. Daniel wrote it, right? So you're thinking, I would be going, yeah, <laughs> got in there, the lions were shut, was having a cuddle, and, but you don't read about nothing like that. We're told about the king's state after throwing Daniel to the lions. What does that tell us about those who follow God and those who don't? In the midst of trials and difficulties, God will give us his peace. That's what it tells us. And I needed to hear this again as, my, as me and the family are navigating some stormy waters at the moment. But God will give us his peace. We read that the king goes without food, without entertainment, and sleep. There's nothing to take him away from how he's feeling. He's powerless to help. You can imagine all these guys going to me, King, what can we do for you? How can you you're all over the shop. There's nothing, nothing, because no one could help him. He's the king sitting in his palace, but he, this is what he feels like. Do you know what that tells us? Do you know what that suggests to us today? It's better to be a child of God in a lion's den than a king in a palace who doesn't know God. That's what it tells us. Daniel actually spent a more comfortable night in a lion's den than the king did in the luxury of his palace. <laughs> Where's that? I just started to think about Daniel like going, come here, to the, come here, pussy cat, and all that rolling around. Here's your pretty boy then. Probably getting a right good night's kip. Or even laying back on a line of sleep and then the king wakes him up and goes, you all right in there? He's thinking, oh. Instead of what was meant to be fearsome, turned out to be a night hanging out of an angel. I'll tell you what, guys, when God has a plan for us, nothing's going to stop it. Nothing will stop it. He knows when it's our time to get taken home. I'm not saying that we're never going to die, <laughs> but that weren't Daniel's time. You know, his, Daniel's life wasn't in the hands of the king or in the mouth of the lions. His life was in God's, and he knew it. That's why he could walk the way he did. The king could have had anything he wanted that night, but the most precious thing was in the den with Daniel, and that was the presence of the living God. This shows us that peace doesn't come through possessions or anything else. Real peace comes from the presence and favour of God in our lives. Amen? What's wonderful. Hebrews 11, verse 33, tells us, through faith, stop the mouth of the lions. <laughs> through faith, stop the mouth of the lions. And it wasn't like the angel pulled the lion's teeth out. <laughs> it wasn't like they, the lions started ripping them out. Because we know what happened to the guys who conspired against Daniel when they got put in the den. Lions overcome them. The difference is that God is with Daniel and he will be with us. Amen? Jesus goes a step further. We're going to come into land in a minute. But Jesus goes a step further in the persecution we face when he says, rejoice and be glad. That doesn't even make sense, does it? What a shocking piece of advice. Rejoice and be glad. What can possibly justify this command when, you know, we're going to be hated and mocked 
maybe tortured and killed. And Jesus does have death in, in mind here, because in Matthew 24, verse 9, he says, they will deliver you to tribulation and put you to death. And you'll be hated by all nations for my namesake. So even this is a talk of someone who's really insensitive, a person who's never known what it's like to scream in pain, or this is a talk of someone who has tasted and knows something about what it means to suffer for righteousness' sake. And I want to say this is the Lord speaking here. This is Jesus. It's not some pastoral novice who's, who's just slapping someone on the back and going, chin up. It'll be all right. This is Jesus speaking. This is the Lord. And he says to his disciples, all of them, who, except for John, who might be, die for their beliefs, rejoice and be glad when you're persecuted or when you're suffering. How can he say this? Firstly, he knows more than ever, more than anyone, what it is to suffer and be persecuted and be alone because he experienced all of that for us. He can say it because he knows beyond any shadow of a doubt. Remember, this is really important that the reward of heaven will more than compensate for any suffering we endure for Christ here on earth. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. There is a mystery there. <laughs> The mystery of joy in the midst of agony. And this mystery is contained in the miracle of faith that heaven will more than compensate for all that we go through on this earth. More than compensate. God, we to hold on to that. And we're done, huh? It will more, more than compensate so much that we'll be able to rejoice and be glad. Big things. Jesus wills for us to have our our desire, the reward of heaven, more than desiring what the world can offer. He wills for it for us, that our hearts are primarily in heaven. Because if our hearts are primarily not in heaven, there's no way that we can rejoice and be glad when we're suffering being persecuted. It ain't going to work. And I want to just finish now by uh, seeing a gospel in Daniel chapter 6. <laughs> it's only been a gospel, eh? Because... Um, Daniel's deliverance from death is the same deliverance we can expect from death. Amen? Why? Because Jesus has defeated death. He has silenced Satan's accusations against us. Jesus has closed Satan's mouth just like those of the lions against Daniel. There is a roar that comes from, the, from a lion, the lion of Judea, and it says that we have been washed by the blood of Christ. We've been washed by the blood of Christ. Yes, blood was spilt, unlike Daniel's. Blood has been spilt. The blood of our sinless saviour was spilt for, our, for us. And as we put our trust and hope in him, we can know real freedom. Amen. We can, ex we can escape the clutches of hell and know the heaven is our home. And Daniel 6 is showing us the verdict that will be delivered on all believers on the final day of judgment. Daniel endured the test of the lion's den, emerging safely out the other side because God judged him and found him not guilty. Amen? Amen. But their unbelievers who plotted against him didn't emerge safely, did they? Because they were still they were found guilty. And we don't want to be on that final day being found guilty. We don't want to be, as the Bible tells us in First Adam, still with our sin on us. For all of us who are found in Christ clothed in his righteousness as a free gift, will be found not guilty and will be welcomed into the new heavens 
and the new earth for eternity. You know, like Daniel, Jesus was falsely accused by his enemies. Like Daniel, the ruler at that time, when Jesus was accused, sought unsuccessfully to deliver him from the fate and handed him over to a violent death. Like Daniel, Jesus was put in a pit which was sealed so it could never be changed or tampered with. But Jesus' trial went deeper than Daniel's. He tasted death. And although he, although he, he suffered for the guilty ones, there was no angel to comfort him. He was left alone, suffering what we should have suffered, really. His body was in the tomb three days before that angel rolled it away. Jesus died for our sins, not his own, because he didn't have any. So death had no power over him. So Jesus, God was able to raise him from the dead because he was not guilty. Amen? This is good news. <laughs> this is good news for those who are joined by faith in Jesus. Daniel came out at lion's den alone. No one else was saved by God's deliverance of him. But when Jesus came out of the tomb, he brings out an army of believers. Amen? Who have been redeemed because of his righteousness that is now counted as ours. Because of the work on the cross, we get a not guilty. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We have favor through the cross of Christ. And our salvation doesn't rest on us trying to be like Daniel, but on Jesus' perfect obedience in our place. That's where our peace comes from today. This is where our righteousness of Christ is given to us. And I want to say, Daniel trusted in God. Who are you trusting today? Who are you trusting today? Because there's only one who can rescue and save. There's only one who can rescue and save, and we are going to be raised to glory, honour, and everlasting life in his final kingdom, and it's going to be glorious, and it's all going to be worth it. What a saviour. What a gospel. Amen?